Shining a light on Illinois state government. Good morning, good morning. This is, of course, full disclosure with the Better Government Association. I am your host, Trent R. Nelson. And, of course, we are here, as we always are, with our great and wonderful friend. He's the president and CEO of the Better Government Association. His name is David Grising. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Trent. How are you today? Doing well. Thank you very much. I hope you're well, too. Thank you, sir. We are doing well, and we hope our listeners are doing well, and we're glad that you're doing well. And we'll get going. We'll get boogieing real quick. What can you tell us about what we might call an acquiescence of Senate President Don Harmon to the wishes of the current Chicago mayor? Well, Senate President Harmon definitely has reversed field from a proposal that he put in last fall during the legislature's veto session in which he was moving to elect all 21 members of the Chicago school board immediately as of the November election. That has changed now, and he received a request from Mayor Brandon Johnson of Chicago to slow that down and to go back to what was the original plan, which is 10 new members elected this November and then 11 new members elected in 2026, and also the new president of the board being appointed at that point. This is all due to an arm wrestle over the process. Originally, it was thought that If Mayor Lori Lightfoot had stayed in office, it might not be a bad thing. Those people who believe in elected school board as being beneficial to move more quickly. And now Mayor Johnson being in office and being closely allied with the Chicago Teachers Union, which is what put for this to begin with, he seems to believe that we could take our time. The city should take its time, really, so the mayor can continue to exert unrivaled authority over the board, at least for the next, really, the remainder of his first term in office. Fascinating stuff. Clearly, the Senate president and his colleagues were looking to allow for the control, uh, so to speak, to go to the people. And yet that is not what everyone always wants, is it, sir? Well, and of course, it depends on whom you mean by the people. The trouble with elected school boards is that they often become contests between the union movement and the charter school movement or others who believe in, say, school vouchers and other sort of parts of the conservative agenda. Right. And so the idea that these will really just be a reflection of the general population's view in a school board election, the number of people voting likely would be rather small and not deeply informed. And so these special interests have a real opportunity to game the system and try to put their favored candidates in place. Fascinating innovation. And of course, as you alluded to, sir, we have seen it across the country in different parts in Virginia, I believe in certain spots in New York. Uh, I'm sure there are others. Florida, there has been since COVID, it feels like an uptick in the concern and the the self-consideration that, that we perhaps know more about what should be taught to our children than do the people who train to teach their entire lives. It's a fascinating turn of events that we've seen recently. Uh, and again, from the point of view that we just heard from uh, from you, sir, appears that Chicago Mayor 
Johnson is trying to slow things down, uh, perhaps trying to uh, ward off those special interest forces that you mentioned? Well, it depends on how you look at it. Given his alliance with the Chicago Teachers Union, uh, there's a school of thought there that is basically saying um, by delaying, he is putting 11 positions um, that he will appoint will more or less be reflective of the Chicago Teachers Union agenda. So some people are seeing this as an effort really to slow down the more representative process that will begin as the elected school board starts. That is the wonderful thing about topics. Uh, You can look at them from just a myriad of different perspectives, and that is the beauty of discussing and conversing, and we're always so happy to do it with you, sir. But we've got to move on to a similar or perhaps a closely related topic because we're still going to be talking about Chicago public schools. Uh, What can you tell us about GOP member Representative Ryan Spain and what his new bill would uh, would look to do? Well, um, Representative Ryan Spain is moving to uh, lock in the right of school districts across the state to have public safety officers, in many cases retired police officers, present in schools. And it would appear that this bill would be an effort to sort of reverse what is happening in Chicago or protect against what is happening in Chicago, which is that the city now is moving to pull these resource officers out of the school in an effort to, the proponents argue, demilitarize the school or make the school a safer feeling place where people aren't seeing police officers as they walk in and out of schools. On the other hand, There are a fair number of people, quite a few people, who take a measure of safety from seeing officers, especially these days, in schools. And Representative Spain is moving to address the concerns that sort of people will have. Let's keep in mind, this is a Republican bill in a very Democratic-dominated state legislature, a supermajority in both houses of the state legislature, and there is a now co-sponsor from the Democratic side, Jay Hoffman. But given that Representative Spain was out front on this, this bill will have the difficulty, as any Republican-backed bills do these days, of persuading Democrats to get on board. Absolutely. Fascinating potential turn of events, as you noted, sir, uh, with the Democratic supermajority. There is, of course, no telling whether it will become law eventually. But would you perhaps go a bit further in uh, elaborating on why there are opponents of safety officers in the Chicago public schools? They must not, I would imagine, believe that they serve the practical purpose that they are supposed to. Well, the view is that there are just better ways than having an armed officer at the entrances, better ways to make for a safe environment. I, I think it probably in part a political response to the idea of de-escalation and helping safety be a community-wide effort and not so much a just let the police take care of it effort. And the changes that are being made in the Chicago public schools are aimed toward bringing additional resources 
perhaps other than uniformed and armed officers. Of course, we've heard the news media, which I am a part of, which which we are a part of. We have seen the discussion develop and grow, asking whether we can do more, as you noted, sir, to behave like a proper community and to treat one another with more empathy and care and consideration. And uh, we'll just have to see how the public safety officers at these schools, how that all plays out moving forward along with the piece of legislation from Representative Spain. Now, before we take our commercial break, I would love, we're going to stay, of course, in the General Assembly, but I'd love to speak more about the child tax credit that we touched upon last week. Uh, What can you tell us about how the debate has evolved since then? Well, the debate continues to move forward with more people saying that this needs to be part of the governor's budget. We'll have the governor's budget addressed next week. And the way this is taking shape is that this child tax credit, which had been talked about as a $700 per year per child credit, now is down to around $300 per year per child. And given that the state budget office is predicting something on the order of an $850 million budget shortfall next year, there are some concerns about the $300 million projected cost of this tax credit. That said, it's very popular from what we can tell so far and likely that it would ultimately be approved in this spring legislative session. And of course, as I believe we also touched upon in our last discussion on this topic, the child tax credit is very popular with the underprivileged, with those who have a tendency to have less money as it as it already is. So, you know, we can often look at a tax credit like this and suggest that people will probably go and spend that money throughout their community when and if they should get it. Uh, that is an economic boon. Of course, we have to spend money to make money, but such is life. We'll continue to jump back on that topic as things continue to progress. We're looking forward to the governor's budget. But we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come right back. Sorry, if you'll hang out with us during the break, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk a bit more about uh, some really interesting legislation as well as a bit of pork. What do you say, sir? We'll see you in a few minutes. You're here first, folks. We'll see you in a few minutes. Shining a light on Illinois state government. Hello, hello. We have returned. President and CEO of the Better Government Association is still here with us. His name is David Grising. This is, of course, full disclosure with the Better Government Association. And I am, of course, your host, Trent R. Nelson. We got through a whole bevy of uh, really fascinating topics before our commercial break. We spoke about how Don Harmon had acquiesced to a wish by Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson as it concerns a fully elected school board. We heard some varying different points of view on that one from President Grising. Really interesting stuff. We spoke about Republican Representative Ryan Spain and a bill that would introduce more safety officers into schools throughout the state at the same time that Chicago public school districts are reducing them. And we got to the child tax credit updates on that. But we have three more topics. We have, well, our first one is one that my grandmother and I were actually just discussing the other day. So would you believe it or not? Illinois looks to be perhaps poised to become the 11th state with a, quote, right to die. Uh, What can you tell us about that, sir? Yeah, this is a really interesting and difficult case. In many states these days, people have what is called a right to die, self-administered drugs that will inevitably end their lives, doing so only under a doctor's permission, although not the doctor's personal 
participation and also some safeguards built in five-day waiting period. For example, there have to be two verbal requests to the doctor over a period of a minimum of five days. And this is to prevent somebody who maybe is suffering a short-term bout of depression from ending their lives. So it's a really challenging issue and is now being taken up in a you know serious way here in Illinois. It is absolutely a delicate topic to discuss, but one that we have to properly take into consideration. Life is a wonderful thing to enjoy, but when we stop enjoying it, and we see this often with other things that we love that are not human, we make the determination that their suffering is not worth continuing to try to survive. And again, this is not an easy topic, but it is one that might very well potentially uh, save suffering from from humans, and and that is something to take solace in. All the same, yeah, it's worth noting that there are you know quite a few people in the state who strongly oppose this proposed bill sure. or this proposed law. In particular, the uh, Roman Catholic Church and the Archdiocese of Chicago, in particular, are adamantly opposed. The Catholic Conference of Illinois in, in 2020, back when this issue percolated, was quite active in organizing resistance to it. And so this is by no means a sure thing. But nevertheless, as you point out, Trent, the people arguing for this just talk about, you know, in in their view, needless suffering that people go through for lack of the ability to do this. And we've come a long way since Dr. Jack Kevorkian was meeting people in his van and injecting them with deadly drugs in the state of Michigan. There now are 10 other states who have done this, Oregon being the first, and it seems to work fairly effectively for those who need it, and the people who oppose it in those states just have to deal with the fact that something's happening that they don't personally approve of. Such is life. C'est la vie, no? That is... It goes in government and politics, that's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, It was a former mayor of of New York City uh, who was campaigning once, an individual jumped up and said, uh, Mayor, I'm going to vote for you this next election. I agree with everything that that you say. And he looked at him and he said, it was Mayor Koch, Ed Koch. And he looked at him and said, son, if you believe three out of the five things that I support, then you should vote for me. If you believe in all five of them, you should go see a psychiatrist. And it, it, and I, I say that I tell that story often because it is it is true. We don't we're not always going to get everything we want. But in a democracy, uh, compromise is crucial. Compromise is key, and we always must remember that that we must, for the most part, compromise uh, to get uh, to get forward. And so, again. Difficult topic. We're going to come back to you and talk about it more because I could go all into Plato and Socrates, but we don't have time, sir. We need to talk about Tim Mapes because he just can't seem to get out of his own way. What can you tell us about his state of affairs uh, right now? Well, it looks like he may be getting out of our way. Um, He (laughs) was uh, sentenced today to two and a half years in prison. This is about uh, half of what the federal prosecutors who convicted him of lying to investigators in the Mike Madigan case and as part of a much broader public corruption investigation. Mapes was quite contrite. He testified to the judge for quite some time at this hearing. He talked about many of the, in his view, good things that he did over the years and never did have, as the judge pointed out, 
never did have an explanation as to why he lied to investigators and betrayed the public trust in doing so. And so he now is going to be punished for that bad judgment. Bad judgment. And of course, you know, we've seen it historically before. Entire positive careers can be destroyed in very many instances by poor judgment. And if it's not Tim Mapes, it's Francis Bacon. But, sir, he's not the only one. Of course, the entire Michael Madigan saga continues to progress. And Tim Mapes looks to be, as you noted, out of our way. Tim Mapes, public servant, but looks to be uh, on the precipice of serving some different time, as it were. But before we let you go, sir, we know you're a busy individual. And we so appreciate you taking the time each week to talk with us here on Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association. Uh, But we got to talk some pork Sir, and it's not the lovely pigs that we enjoy eating. There is something else afoot, and it was first reported by the Chicago Tribune, if I'm not mistaken. What can you tell us about a whole bunch of money spent recently? Well, the Tribune, I think in a pretty timely bit of sharp-eyed budget analysis, went and looked at all of the spending that they consider to be pork barrel spending during the current budget year, because we're just about next week, we'll be hearing Governor Pritzker's proposed budget, and that'll be very much a focus of the legislative session as it winds down in May. And so the Tribune went and they found all kinds of things that one might wonder about how valuable these investments are, such as, for example, a pickleball court in Winthrop Harbor in the far north part of the state, a skate park in Chicago, a uh, habitat for camels uh, down in Decatur. Um, uh, there was a $250,000 for a rock and roll museum in Joliet, $800,000 for a river walk in Naperville. The list, the list goes on. And it just speaks to the fact that when you're talking these huge, you know, 80 billion plus budgets, you sometimes wind up with a lot of spending, some of which is rather questionable. Well, I'm willing to acquiesce to the criticism of everything other than the camel sanctuary. That seems like good money and uh, Illinois needs more dromedary. So there you go. All jokes aside, however, yes, of course we can look at that. We can look at these different particulars and we can question whether they're going to return a monetary value to us, but it's always so difficult to put a price tag on the pleasure of going to a park or walking along some riverway or seeing some camels. We should always perhaps consider the the pleasure that comes from uh, living in a society. And uh, of course, we love camels. So, so there you are, sir. Uh, <laughs> sir, you are absolutely the best. And we appreciate you hanging out with us every week. Sir, will you do it again next week? We'll be here. Fascinating. Excellent. This is a win for us all. Of course, this is your host, Trent R. Nelson. This is Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association. And we just had a lovely time speaking with the president and CEO of that organization, David Grising. And of course, David, we appreciate so much you coming and spending some time with us each week. Will you tell the people where they can learn more about all the work that the Better Government Association does? Yes, uh, our uh, news content is on our IllinoisAnswers.org website. And our policy work on behalf of open and accountable government is on bettergov.org. So many places to learn. If you don't want to hang out with us and do it, you can go on to the Internet and do it on the Better Government Association website. BJ, David Grising is just a treasure trove of information, and we're so happy to have him on. We hope you have a wonderful 
rest of your week, sir. Thanks very much, Trent. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Shining a light on Illinois state government. This, of course, has been, full disclosure, with the Better Government Association. This is your host, Trent R. Nelson. We just enjoyed speaking with David Grising, the president and CEO of that organization. And we can't wait to see you next week. Take care till then.